welcome and thanks for tuning in to Real Rap Radio. And I am your host, Andre Bird. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I am at the Rec Center on 901 Market Street, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And today we're at an event that they're hosting here with creators and young talent, undiscovered and discovered. And uh, we look forward to uh, having a nice uh, uh, event here. It's not yet crowded at the moment, but it will be. I mean, this is the the opening acts uh, of the, uh, the event. It looks like the people are diligently waiting. They have a good host of uh, marketing skills. And I'm going to try to speak with the uh, one of the co-creators of all of this and, um, and everything. So uh, we'll just sit back and enjoy this ride and everything will be right on time. Yes, sir. I'm going to try to get a moment here with Mr. Mr. Tom Hill. How y'all doing? Yes, uh, very good. It's a, it's a very good um, uh, hospitality speaker. You know what I'm saying? So uh, definitely, we have uh, a good event here. The people are very energetic and they're very uh, hospitable. Definitely. They are welcoming and they are all very, very loud, but it's all right. I hope that you can all hear me. The, uh, the co-owner is now talking with somebody. How you doing, sir? You're co-owner, right? I, uh, my name is Andre Boone from uh, Real Rap Radio. I, um, I'm just, I'm, I'll be doing interviews and everything. So if I'm, right now, I'm, I'm live on, the, um, on Spotify. So just, um, I, hear, I heard about your, uh, you know, um, the whole program, how you got started in the warehouse. You worked there, you was in music and everything, and um, it's a very, very inspirational, um, you know, background that you have. Because uh, a lot of people, they don't, they don't, they don't understand the, the grind and the persistency that uh, people, like, you know, that you have to have with this, and that the longevity is definitely important. And that's watching from uh, a lot of your uh, uh, your clips, uh, you know, from, from from the rec center. You know, you spoke, you spoke heavenly about, you know. Just you know, staying patient, and that you know things don't come overnight, and that how what it took for you to get here, the, all of the, uh, the uh, when you was going to college, you know, you coming from a, 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 a you know the same kind of like household from the inner city, but you were you was in a, another part of a, a part of a town going to school, and like how that was, that was very like you know, because a lot of a lot of people, especially African Americans, they go they go they go through that. You know, and, um, and people don't understand that, like, you know, I'm still from where you at. It's just that I got a, I got a different, I, I just had a different upbringing. And it's, and it's okay to, you know what I mean, to be on this side and on that side. You know what I'm saying? Because there's benefits in both. You know what I'm saying? So that's a lot of what I had picked up, you know what I'm saying, from what you got and from what you inspired me. I want to thank you for that. Um, and uh, for, for doing that, I mean, for inspiring me to like, you know, want to come and check us out. This event right here, it looks very, you know what I mean, you know what I mean, upscale, exclusive, you know what I'm saying, state of the art, you know what I mean, and people should really come to the rec center 
to, you know, to, 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 to find that creative skill. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I like about what you're doing. You're bringing out the creative skill. So I thank you for your time. What's your name again? Will. Will. Will from, uh, from Rex, from Rex Philly. Uh, come and check him out on Real Rap Radio. Thanks a lot. Yes, that was uh, Will from Rex, from Rex Philly. He's uh, here, and uh, he's one of the uh, co-founders of uh, The Center. And he's definitely one to, uh, you know, get out to the people and, and get their creative uh, abilities out. And like once again, also, we have, we, have, we have another entrepreneur here that's at Rec Philly, you know what I'm saying? And he has a, a nice uh, 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 clothing line. He also has a, a magazine line, and it's called Icy Thought. You know what I'm saying? Icy Thoughts. You see what I'm saying? Right now, he's, uh, you know, entertaining a customer, so I don't want to, uh, you know, get in on his, um, you know, his, his situation. But uh, it's definitely uh, a good experience being here at the Rec Philly uh, in Philadelphia. You know, the people are energetic, they are uh, focused, and it's definitely something that you might want to, you know, check out if you're in the Philly area, or if you're, you know, looking to come to the Philly area, you know, you're looking to, you know, explore, and if you're looking for more, you know, you know, attention to your craft, here at Rec Philly, they can bring it out here. So as the, uh, the program is about to start, so please tune in, stay tuned, and we will be with you momentarily. Excuse me, sir. Definitely. Here at Rec Philly, we will, they, they do have a very good setting. A very good setting here, ladies and gentlemen. If you're ever in Philadelphia, stop by Rec Philly. It is a good environment. For those who want creativity skills and want to bring them out, you should be a part of the program. Definitely. Uh, and look more and look forward to more of Real Rat Radio. Coming back. For our creator talk, power of the personal brand, we have a really solid event for y'all tonight. Real solid event. Shout out again to Deep Eddies uh, for helping us with the bar, and uh, my staff for being here tonight. Uh, we have a good one for you. I'm just here to introduce our panelists for the evening, or specifically our, our moderator for the evening, uh, my brother, Mr. William Towns. <laughs> Alright y'all, we gotta kick it off with some good energy, man. How we feeling, y'all? Good. Right, we gonna do that once more though. Creatives, how we feeling? Good. There we go. There we go. The energy is flowing. Um, first and foremost, I want to welcome you guys to another installment of what we call Creator Talk. So before we dive into a room, show of hands, how many of y'all this is your first time at Rec? Bunch of us, dope, dope, dope. Um, well, my members, can we give them a warm welcome real quick to the first folks in here? So if you know nothing else about Rec, all you guys need to know is we exist for one reason, one reason only, and that is to ensure that creatives be able to do more of what they love to do. 
right? And when you're on this creative journey, when you're building your creative muscle, you're building your creative business, a lot of times what gets in the way is folks being able to, one, get access to the tools that we need to be able to create on a high level, right? And if you're really on the grind, you know that another thing that sometimes is challenging is how do we as creative people figure out how to actually build the business around our talent? Right, so we can keep doing it and be able to keep producing the work that we're proud of. And third, if we're being honest, sometimes the journey as an entrepreneur, and especially a creative entrepreneur, gets lonely as hell. And it's important to be around like-minded people as we do that. So this space is really meant to be able to help folks be able to explore all of those things I just mentioned. Make sure we as creators have access to those tools, those strategies, and most importantly, the other people that are important in this journey. So, as you guys are here, I want you to make sure you meet some people. I want you to make sure you be able to get to take a tour at some point to just check out what's happening in the studios. But what we're gonna focus on tonight is Creator Talk, where we really get to lean in to the strategy side of what it means to navigate this industry as a creative and as an entrepreneur. Um, so we will have some fun. We have some amazing, amazing industry experts that are gonna get to share their knowledge with us. And then most importantly, we're gonna save some time at the end for you guys to be able to ask some questions. So some of y'all know came in with some questions ready. Hopefully we'll, we'll hear some interesting things that will inspire some questions throughout it. But what I would like to do is I wanna bring up our amazing panel of folks for tonight. So I need y'all to just help me give the warmest welcome to our speakers of the hour. I need y'all to just make some noise for Jordan, for Derek, for Nadia, and for Dallas. So the reason we, we wanted you guys um, to be here with us tonight is we're always talking about being able to make money as creatives, but specifically this conversation is about the power of the personal brand, right? And, and what we really wanna focus on th throughout this conversation is something that's changed that I believe is gonna be a very, very impactful change and what it means to, to be able to monetize and make money off your personal brand, off your name, your image, and your likeness, especially for our folks in the athletic space. But a lot of what we're gonna talk about also lends itself to, to just being a, a speaker, an author, a creative of any type, but I do wanna just kind of preface that we are gonna spend a lot of time talking about what that looks like through the lens of an athlete. So we've got a lot of folks that have been athletes, they're, they're in the sports adjacent world, so I would love to just go down the line and, and ask each of you to just give us a quick introduction, let folks know who you are and what you do. And I got a lot of questions for y'all, if that's all right. Y'all ready for us to get started? Yeah. So we're the ladies first, Nadia. Let us know who you are, what you working on. Good evening, everyone. Boskin, I'm the founder of Pivot, and Pivot's a sports marketing company that works with athletes on brand development. Um, and I'm also the founder of Hoop Dream, which is a nonprofit basketball and mentoring program based in Philadelphia. Appreciate you, man. Give it up for now. Over to you, Jordan. What's up, everybody? My name is Jordan Morgan. Uh, I'm a former NFL player, and I currently work in uh, the player engagement department in the NFL. Good evening, guys. This is uh, Derek Faulkner, uh, former 
Hold on, go birds. Mix those vocals. From South Jersey, I'm a serial entrepreneur, nonprofit, and also a business development company. And I am the uh, president of the retired players for New York, New Jersey, with our with the our union, which is the FOBA. So essentially, it's basically saying um, these athletes, specifically college players, can now get paid off of that. So if someone wants to have a jersey with their name on it, as far as image, that entails um, pictures, videos, and likeness is more of like avatars or cartoons. So that's kind of just to break each of that down. So really, it's just they can now get paid off of it, which is about time. Um, and I would say the way it affects them would be definitely in a positive way. Um, as far as them just being able to just really set themselves up for success, they can now make money. Schools have been making billions of dollars off of these athletes, everything down from whether it's ticket sales to advertising dollars, where it's and coaches get paid. Money. So now it's like these players can also, you know, set themselves up and start building their brand and even, you know, putting them in a Basically, and essentially preparing them for the next level of branding, even if they know where to go pro. Got it. Thank you for that breakdown. And, and to be clear, like it's not that they'll get paid to place the sport, but they have the opportunity to monetize outside of that, right? Correct. And I mean, in every state, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe every state kind of has different roles. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's you know, she figured it just started, I think, July 1st, so. Everything is still developing. Um, whenever I reach out to different coaches to learn more, they're always like, well, this just changed, that just changed. So it's definitely right. something that's still you know, developing. Yeah, it's still developing. It's still the wild, wild west. But I think that's why it's important for us to kind of have these conversations early so folks can educate themselves early on um, and be able to just take advantage of it as it's developing. And, and what I think is kind of interesting is as we're talking about, you know, athletes having the opportunity to make money off their name and their likeness, they can kind of start to really think of themselves as influencers, right, in a certain way. And, you know, in my neighborhood, I feel like the athletes were kind of like the original influencers, for real, for real. Like, if you was nice at ball when we was in high school, everybody knew who you were, right? So I'm kind of wondering, you know, for, for you guys, when I think about, you know, you being at Villanova D, you know what I mean, playing over there, you playing at Hampton, right, at HBCU as a ball player, like, give us a little bit of context. Like, what was that experience like to be an athlete at a high level at a university such as those? Maybe D, if you want to start, and then Of course. Um, so it's pretty much professional sports, to call it what it is. At that level, uh, to play at the college level, you're, you have a job on top of school. Like, the amount of time and energy and effort and 
uh, emotions it takes from you. You really do feel like you're a full-time job. But to get an education at you know a university that might not be a great range like mine, uh, you kind of break even in, in a lot of ways. But like she was saying earlier, it's been so much money made, and there was a time where it was you know uh, a bit more not so lopsided. But now at this point, it's like these schools are breaking millions upon millions upon millions a month off these games. So it's about time the players start to get paid because it's been professional sports for a while now. Take that. How about you over over at Hampton? And you know, before we before we jump over to you, like the I want you to actually real quick expand a little bit further because like I think when I think about the influence side of it, right? You was at Villanova. I remember days where I was at, you know, parties and events or even nightclubs in the city. And then all of a sudden, everything was stopped because a bunch of guys from the championship team just walked in, right? Like, I wanna, if you could expand, maybe what did it feel like from that level of like the influence associated with having that position? Uh, I mean, for us, it happened very fast. You know what I mean? Up until that point, we were good. You know what I mean? We were kind of known, but once Chris hit that shot and that championship was won, everything kind of changed. And that was when we saw like how much money could really be made off of this thing. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was it was great. I'm not gonna lie, it felt good. You know what I mean? Like pump up and get some love, rather right? it's, it's fake or real. It feel good in the moment. You know what I mean? So it was nice, but at the same time, it was we constantly were like, all right, we can't get caught up in this. We can't get caught up in this. Our coach had success before, not like that, but he constantly was on us about like, listen, this is a moment. You know what I mean? Like, we got to come back and do this again. So don't don't get too caught up in this right now. All right, sound like y'all was very disciplined over there, Noah. Oh yeah, there's long forces. Derek, how about you? I mean, I didn't get to experience the, the glory of all of the money and the, and, the, and, the, and the shelling out of all of the red carpet. I mean, at HBCU, um, you know, we were a winning program and we lost two games in three years. So we won three national black championships. We, I mean, we probably go down as one of the greatest eras in black college. Yeah, y'all can make some noise for that. Guys go to the league out of one class, which was my senior class. I mean, it's, it was it was it was a solid. But to be honest with you, man, we ate fried chicken before the games. We, we had one jersey, one uniform. And this is coming from this is coming from Hampton, which is looked at as a, as a you would you would almost say it's like an Ivy League black school, right? It has three hundred million dollars in endowment, and I can tell you, I only had one uniform. You know what I'm saying, like. We had one, we had one bus we rode on with crowded up 50, 60 dollars on it. I mean, I could give you the hard choices not to tell you that, but more so is is to give it, I look at it where these kids, they should get paid, but I feel like for these most of these kids are black and brown, I want to see more going and investing into their development. And these guys are coming out of school undeveloped. Even if they do get to the, in the NBA or the NFL, they are so undeveloped. And, now, me working with former players that are retired now, you know, I was 36, so guys are now my age, they're in retirement age, and I'm playing anymore. They are truly undeveloped. And I know Jordan speaks with an engagement side. Guys just don't have the skills that they should have. So you're rushing it to get this pot of gold or whatever you're rushing for, but you still, you're coming out, you're not even developed financially. You don't have any, any literacy. And you talk about that, and that really affects because it affects these guys' marriages, it affects their relationships, it affects their careers. It's like a trickling effect. So when I hear about guys, kids, kids running around trying to get paid, I kind of cringe because I think that there's going to be ultimately a ton of 
great things happening. People's families will monetarily be able to move out the hoods or whatever. Mama's gonna not have to work, but then there's gonna be a lot of tragedies as well. And we have to, as a community, understand that. That if you're pushing these kids at 17 to go out and get a deal and get paid, yeah, it might be great, but if he doesn't have, if his family doesn't have the competencies and the, and the core and the values together, we're gonna to see a we're gonna see a roller coaster of of, of, of issues when I'm putting it. Fact. That's a really good point. And Jordan, in, in your positioning when you're 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 working in, you know, athlete engagement and former players, what are some of the things that you're seeing that may be missing, kind of kind of like what Derek was alluding to? So kind of is to piggyback off of what Derek said, I mean it's real. Like a lot of guys, they, they come up short. You that like your plan to go pro, you hone in on it so much that you put things like school to the side. Like I know like I was like, I did the same thing. Like I was like, okay, well, are my grades good enough and you're still playing? All right, I don't really care. Are you trying to say uh, college athletes don't be going to every single class, taking all the tests as best they can? I mean <laughs> I mean so I, I did I, 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 all my work is my own, but I I'd be lying if I said I gave it my full effort. But that's that's just the the realism behind it. Like these guys like they're just saying, you know, it's like, do I struggle in school, worry about my family, or if I have a chance at millions? Like, which are you, what are you going to choose? You're going to take that shot at millions. But the problem is, it's never a guarantee, right? So, like, for me, like, I played for a few years and thought I would have a long career. Thought I was durable, knew what I was doing, thought I would stick around. The next thing I know, I'm a free agent. I'm like, okay, well, you know, like, I just bought property. I just did X, Y, and Z. Like, I don't got money coming in. I'm not going to pay for these bills. And... It comes a time where you have to be real with yourself. And it's like, okay, well, what am I gonna do to get out of this situation? Because the fact of the matter is, nobody's gonna show me a million dollars, but don't worry, bro, I got you. You yeah, you gotta figure it out. So, and like, like, I know a lot of guys deal with this, and you gotta crush that ego and figure out what you're gonna do to develop. Because like you said, there's skills that you need for the professional world that you don't have because you put them on the back burner. It's just really deep to see how it turns out for a lot of guys because some guys do you find help and use it, but some guys you know you get so buried in that ego that you just kind of forget about it and now up shit's creep pretty much. It's just a tough situation. Yeah, and I love that you guys are kind of highlighting you know, the positives and the negatives of uh, Nadia, I'm wondering, you know, when you talk about this, why do you think it was important in the first place? This ruling to you. Um, I mean, it's kind of essentially piggybacking off of a couple of already said as far as just, you know, the fact that the school's been making money. Think about it, like I personally feel as though when it comes to the players, they're the individual the players, they put in the most work. Um, I didn't play, you know, sports on the college level, but I just feel like they work harder than the coaches, no offense, but that's why they're coming there. Um, that's why, you know, companies are spending all this money in advertising dollars. That's why a lot of these non-student athletes are choosing to go to some, like, they are so influential, it's crazy. Um, and I just felt like it's really important for them. Just going back to the fact of, again, putting their families in a, you know, a position so that they can be, you know, comfortable financially. Um, and then a lot of it is, I feel like, you know, for me, with Pivot, we, one of the things, we haven't started working with the college players yet, but I, but our whole focus is really trying to help them really just like tap into some of those other interests outside of just sports. So whether it's, you know, if you have an interest in writing, you have an interest in, you know, content development, whether it's, you know, 
a podcast, you know, something like it's like outside of basketball, outside of whatever that sport might be, it's how can we bring those other interests out of them and develop those skills because again, the sport is not always no, that's a, that's a great point. And when you say that, it reminds me, you know, Dee, when I met you first, it was through you being a content creator, you know, and, and I know you're an author as well. Um, for you guys, you know, you guys have also started businesses. Do you think that there's any skill sets that you've developed as an athlete that have really lent themselves nicely to being an entrepreneur? And if so, what would you say they are? Right. Absolutely. Uh, I think the biggest was a sense of discipline. Uh, at the end of the day, as creatives, we're pulling on, um, I don't know if y'all familiar with left brain, right brain, but there's a side of your brain that really deals with structure, there's a side that deals with creativity and chaos. So to pull on that constantly as a creative, that's why we're all over the place. We have these ideas and it's like, oh, I wanna do this today, I wanna start a podcast, I wanna start this business the next week. And um, the discipline that athletics gave me, specifically Villanova and the way that he ran that program, it helped keep me on track and kind of be self-sufficient when it came to my creative side. Uh, so that's probably the biggest advantage, a sense of competitiveness. Like at the end of the day, you know, we, we all want each other to win as creators, but let's, let's call it what it is, we're creative. Uh, we're competitive beings naturally. So um, not shying away from competition. Um, there's a ton of lessons that kind of transfer over, but at the end of the day, it's just like I said, the discipline was probably the biggest thing um, and the ability to understand it we can tap into something else because we did it physically. You know what I mean? And when you get your body to do something physically, you understand that if I put in the work, it's gonna show up in that way, that kind of trickles over into other parts of your life. I think that. Derek, Jordan, any skill sets you feel like have uh, helped you guys out as entrepreneurs? I think definitely um, one would be creating a level of tenacity about what you're doing. Um, I think that's really important, whether you know on the creative side or sales, know marketing whatever I think sports ultimately created you know, like, like we said uh, level of competitiveness and I think nothing gets more competitive once you get to the out of the collegiate level into the professional level every day is a competition every day you're facing a guy who has wife and kid he's putting his kids through whatever private schools he's got mortgages and he does not want to lose his job so at the same time you're competing every single Hey, me and a former player were talking about it. You find more competitive environments during training camp than you do in the season because guys are fighting for jobs. Wow. And literally, you know, you look at that and now you're in quote unquote civilian world and now you're just as competitive to make whatever goal, marker, whatever it may be. You want to be the best content creator? You know, you got a YouTube page, you're going to go the extra mile because you know what it's like. You know how it, you know the smell and the taste of victory. You know what it tastes like, and you like it. And that's the one thing about athletes that I think is the biggest addiction, is the addiction to winning. Because once you get a taste of it, you don't want to ever lose it, right? And I can tell you for myself, in all the businesses I work in, in different environments, I like to win. I like to win, period, and that's it. So I look at it, and, I, and, I, and, I, and that's the thing that, and ultimately, you, you connect with other people that want to win as well. Right? So I think that that's the key is like, you learn, obviously when you're going over, you gotta taste the winning, so you know what it's like when you lifted that trophy. Right. It's intoxicating, right? So the same thing when you're able to land something or you know, reach a goal, that winning, that winning feeling is something that is something that, you know, I can't describe it, but it's something that you want. 
and, and based off what I'm hearing from you guys, like when I hear about the discipline that it takes, the tenacity, the, the hunger for winning, that's what excites me most about this movement because it's like we're about to see hundreds of thousands of people, a lot of which are people of color, who are about to now have an opportunity to build empires, right? Who could be the next business leaders of the world? Um, and that's just what I think is super dope. So I want to kind of talk about the money side a little bit. That's cool. Go for it. Um, just you know, just to add to the skills that I see, just from athletes that I know, I would also say, just from like leadership yeah. and communicating. So you figure if you're on a team, you one you're working with constantly dealing with different personalities. You're communicating with your team everything they do when it comes to especially plays for especially for the team sports. So for like basketball, football, everything is strategic. And I feel like when it comes to being an entrepreneur, and even if you're not an entrepreneur, but just in business in general, that's definitely, I think, um, a major transferable skill. Yeah, I think I'm really glad that you mentioned that, because I think um, one of the hardest things I've seen for early creators or just early entrepreneurs is the lack of leadership. That's the one thing that gets in the way. And I think um, you know, one of the pieces of advice I got really early as an entrepreneur is uh, a mentor said, your business will never ever be more successful than your ability to lead. And when you think about these athletes like you're mentioning, right, you're out there leading the, the team of 11 guys on the field or even five guys that are on the floor at one time, I think that is such a, an advantage to someone going into entrepreneurship who maybe doesn't come from that background. So that's super exciting. Um, but yeah, I wanna I want talk about the money side a little bit, you know? Um, I'm curious for you guys, have, what have you seen so far, right? We're only, what, three months in to the NIL being passed. What deals have you guys seen so far that you've taken an interest in? And then after that, we'll go into kind of like, I want to predict a little bit, what do you guys expect to start seeing? But for now, maybe if we can run down the line, what have you guys seen so far from some of these deals that have been popping up? I've seen one um, young guy um, from South Jersey, uh, receivers at, a big, at an ACC school. I've seen him promote, which I thought was great, um, produce his own merch. His likeness, great. Same time he's, he's producing or promoting his mixtape, his rap career, oh, as sad. well as being an NCAA athlete. I generally think, and we all can speak on that, um, that level of focus will get you nowhere. Mm. Not if you're trying to get to the NFL. He has opportunity to play in the league. Um, hopefully, you know we, we'll be doing some marketing together at some point. Which I love the fact that he's able to, you know, he built out a store. <laughs> Online store with his merch and tees and it's all that's great. I mean, it's drop ship delivery, all that great. But at the same time, are you focused on pit for next week? Right. Because at the end of the day, as a scout and as as NFL personnel, I don't want to hear about the mixtape. I, I, I don't. I need you to be fully invested in what you're doing. And if you think that you're gonna sacrifice $30 hoodie that you're selling versus actually being able to get drafted, which one is it? Is it the right now or is it the long run? And it's like Missy said, are you with the, are you with the marathon or are you kind of just with the sprint life? Really? That's it. Now, honestly, a lot of us lack of run are just worried about the quick sprint. We gotta be more focused on the marathon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Felt that. Felt that. What else have you guys been seeing from um, so, kind of similar to what Eric said, like, I feel like it, I've seen some juicy things happening, like, there'll be like a guy in high school who's going to college, 
and some branding company wants to wants to sign like a half a million dollar deal. Yeah. And I mean, I'm happy for him. Like that's great, good money and all that. But I think as great as it is, you can have problems aligning with your goals as well. So like he's saying, like if you want to go pro, I mean, you can't afford like you already got schoolwork and your family. Like, you can't afford to deal with all that other stuff. So I guess ultimately it comes down to what it is people pay for money. Because obviously more times than not, money's a motivator when you do a lot of these things. But one thing a lot of people don't talk enough about, and that I know it's a lot of people's motivation is the glory. And like a lot of guys want to go pro just so they can say I went pro. Like that's, I mean, the money comes with it, but they want that brand for life. But it's one of those things where it's not interchangeable. Like it's going to take every ounce to do it. And if are you going to sacrifice what could potentially be great for that short money? Because I like I just said, I've seen guys who get like a half a million dollar deal. Now obviously they're like superstars who people project are going to be like first round picks in whatever sport they do. But there's also going to be guys who are on the opposite side of that, like guys who are selling thirty dollar hoodies. Like, is that really worth it? Like, probably not. Like, that's not doing nothing for your family versus what you could be doing in the next couple of years. Um, I would say one of the first ones that I actually saw, I think, hit headlines. Um, there's two twins. I think it's Haley and Hannah. They played basketball at Fresno State. And they're, you know, it was with Blue Smoke. Um, they never disclosed the amount, but that was like the biggest one that came out. But then I've seen stuff with like um, gymnasts, like a lot of LSU athletes from like their football to gymnastics team. But um, one in particular, I forget her name, it's like Olivia. June, I believe, but she goes to LSU as a gymnast, but she's gotten deals with like different protein companies, um, athletic wear, and now I've been noticing, and mind you, a lot of the athletes so far that I've been like, you know, following with these deals, they have like literally over 4 million followers on like TikTok. Word. So it's like, I mean, these brands, of course, they're being strategic, but then I've even started seeing um, professional sports teams offering um, NIL deals to the athletes. So like the Atlanta Braves, a couple minor league teams, um, and then there is the NHL team from Florida. They started this one program where they're only offering it specifically to the women athletes that go to, I think it's Florida Atlantic University. So it's only to them. All the female athletes there. So what they're doing is it's like they're paying them for appearances, um, for community events, and they even started like an affiliate program to where it's like, um, and I don't really see a lot of money coming from that, but it's essentially, all right, help us sell tickets. We'll give you your link, you get a percentage for any of the hockey games you sell for. So, I mean, that's what I've been seeing so far. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of those things. And I've also seen, um, you know, more of the flashy ones, like, you know, I've seen, Know, a quarterback of Ohio State get that cash app deal, which I know is rumored to be almost seven figures. I've seen, um, you know, the, the second string quarterback at a big school walk into a used car dealership and they give him a free Camaro because they want him to talk about that deal, you know what I mean? Um, so I think you guys being like super true athletes, y'all like, no, only integrity of the sport, be the best ever. But on the flip side though, you know, if I could just be real, a lot of the athletes that I knew that were really great, some of them really loved the game, but others, for real, for real, they were like, yo, I'm trying to get out of the hood. And this is a great economic opportunity. So I think we're seeing kind of both sides of that coin, which I think is interesting. 
You want to mention a couple you've seen there? Um, no, I, I got to be honest. I, I have a different approach to the way y'all feel. Just general what y'all said. I'm excited about it for that reason. Because um, I think what's going to happen is the money's going to tear out. Um, when I say that, I mean like take a business like Brett. So when, when y'all are global, let's say there's somebody who's like Ronaldo, who's global. And he wants to, Ronaldo wants to do a podcast. He partners with Breck on the global level. But then there's some kid at Temple in Philly who he doesn't have the biggest reach, he has to reach over here. He partners with Rex Philly. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I, I like the idea of different athletes at different levels. And um, rather the deal be uh, local, regional, or national, or international, like there, it will tear out um, a lot of guys and kind of, it will, it will make it easier for a lot of guys to make money. And I'm you know, with you in the sense of, at the end of the day, some people are playing really just to help their families. You know what I mean? Some people are understanding that if I don't make it, because what people don't want to acknowledge, like I can't really speak to this, I started playing ball at 15, so I can't speak to this as much as y'all can. Which is really late for most basketball players. Late as hell, late as hell. I, was, I was always a late bloomer. Yeah, shout out Park Bloomer. Um, but, but like, for a lot of athletes, from the time that they were six, you were told it, it hit. You know what I mean? Like, you're the one. Like, once you make it, we all make it. And unfortunately, where you see a lot of guys get jammed up is to that point where they quote unquote don't make it. I wish more guys would understand that having an education and network is a form of making it. But now, okay, when such and such gets to 18 and they can make a couple of deals they can flip that money into, they, they essentially made it. And all that time and energy that the community invested in them for them to do good now it's paying off as opposed to if you don't make it pro, it was all for nothing. Which is what a lot of these kids feel like when they don't make it or get hurt or something like that. Real, very real. Mm -hmm. I have uh, kind of two questions. One, um, well first, we're about to open it up for some questions. So if you guys have some questions that you would love to ask our panelists, now's the time to get those moving. I know my staff will help me uh, start passing a microphone around. Um, but before we get to that, you talked a little bit about kind of the, what you think is going to come with like kind of the leveling out. Do you guys have any predictions for what you think we'll start to see from a deal perspective now that the rule has changed? I mean, I honestly don't think there's going to be a lot of these major, you know, six, seven figure deals, to be honest with you. But I feel like, uh, I'm not going to be negative, but it's just, you know, I feel like these brands are going to really, they're going to put money out. I feel like they're going to be one, focusing on some of those marquee like your star player on these teams if anything um and then also like, i can see you know maybe some of the kind of think how do i put this um i just always see it being a lot of major deals unless you have like i mean if if ronnie decides to go to even play basketball in college because now you have you know g league and then you have um overtime elite Hope you can speak on that a little more. Um, because yeah, there's all these other different platforms out there where it's like, okay, so much money's coming in from these other leagues where they're not really worried about the deal, so to speak. But I feel like if you don't have like Renato Mike Williams or Ronnie James, it's like, are you really going to get that news? Unless it's maybe, maybe some of the smaller schools and like small towns, they can probably, some of the smaller like you know, mom and pop shops can probably benefit off of that. But I don't really see it being like a lot of these major Well, what's interesting though is you mentioned overtime though, which I think is major in itself what's happening there. Do you maybe want to speak to like what the overtime league is? Absolutely. So what's happening is um, 
people are kind of sick of the NBA, and it's like, all right, there are these other leagues that either high school players, players who wanted to go to uh, straight to the league, but because of the rule that you have to attend college, they go to the overtime league or the G League, like a lot of these kids did this past season, where they'll go to these minor league type of leagues, um, play there for a couple of seasons, and get drafted to the NBA. And I love that because what's going to ultimately happen is people in the NBA, they're going to be the most competitive. They're going to be there because they want to be there because the money is going to be allocated in so many different areas as opposed to everybody's trying to get through this one narrow door. Now you can go to an overtime league if you're 16 years old with 4 million followers on TikTok and you just happen to have a mean jump shot. Like that stuff kind of, it, it, it evens it out so not everybody is trying to head in one direction because when that happened, generally doesn't go too well. And that's where we hear a lot of these tragedies. So, sorry to answer the question. G League and Overtime League are like ancillary leagues to the NBA. Just to answer that real quick, so with Overtime League, they also, I mean, they want their pay, but the good thing about them that I like is they have a whole um, educational side of it to where they're really focusing on teaching the kids about, like they have a whole curriculum, but they're teaching them about, you know, the branding and marketing, they even have a whole financial literacy. Um, they even have a program where they're teaching them other life skills where, okay, and tomorrow, we're going to teach you how to, you know, actually make it in corporate America. And I think that's a really important component. And I was wondering, um, you know, do you guys think that the schools, like the universities or like the NCAA have a responsibility to teach that stuff? Because, you know, obviously we've seen so many people's lives change financially from going to the league. But I've also seen the 30 for 30 broke, I think it's called, right? And that's like, that's a real deal. Like people making multiple uh, digits of millions, but then going bankrupt. Now that the NCAA has allowed you know, these young people to earn, do you think they have a responsibility to, to help financially educate them? Uh, honestly, I would say yes, because, so you figure NBA and NFL, or really any sport you want to go pro in, you're, you're typically like what, like, you're still a teenager to some extent when you go to these leagues. You don't really know how money works. And what, most of these guys, like, you don't come from it, so you, there's no background. Like, you don't have a, a dad who can sit here and tell you how to get your credit better, why that's important, and why you have to be careful with loans and things like that. And I think if you're gonna put these young people in positions where they can make much bigger money, there, there's a response, there, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So you you have to show them the do's and don'ts of it and like what can come of it because like, don't get me wrong, I'm all for it. Like, I wanna see guys get paid. Like, no matter what level you play on, you still sacrifice your body and your mind and your time and it gets monotonous. So like, you wanna put these people in a position to succeed whether it does or doesn't work for them and knowing how to manage your money is one of the most important things because people always say, well, yeah, like it doesn't matter. Like, you know, I can always make money. I mean, yeah, you're right, but maybe not in what you're doing. Like, if you're an athlete, you break your arm, like, you're not getting paid. And that's just the cold truth. So I think these schools and these universities, like, they need, there needs to be, they need to be able to speak this language with them more. Because, like, so like we're talking about now, like, this stuff is relatively new. So you're, I don't, you're not going to hear any horror stories yet, but I'd imagine it gets bad at some point. I think also um, that a lot of folks are not talking about um, that I think the pendulum is going to shift as well with some of the schools that are in uh, no-income states as well for recruiting. So Florida schools, Texas, no state income. So 
for these kids in regards to recruiting, if I know I can save on taxes for state, I don't have to pay the state out of this five hundred thousand dollar deal. I'm going to Florida. I'm going. To, I'm not going to California where it's thirty eight percent. Right? I need to save that money. So now that now that starts to put the Florida. Now that puts all the schools in those states at an advantage over Philadelphia, over the PA school, New Jersey school. Why would I go to a New York school right. and play there if I know I can save half my money? So now that's, that's going to change a lot of different things. I mean, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of implications in this, right? That's going to like give some schools disadvantages. Some going to get advantages. I just think that everyone needs to kind of look at it from. A, and I'm not somebody that's that's straight hounding that these kids shouldn't get paid. I would love to see them get a deferred deferred mm -hmm. payment. Now that sounds that sounds crazy. Like, all right, well, you know what? You know, deferred payment. If you graduate within a certain amount of four years, get all your money. That's interesting. Get the whole bag. Get it. Now, now you're putting yourself in a position where you're 22, 23. You don't make it in the NFL. You you get bumped out of a camp. Now you got that 400 thousand that you've been sitting on for the last few years. That the NIL deals. Boom. You you were set to do whatever you need to do. But I would be for me personally. I had two of my other receivers that got picked up by one went to the Broncos, the other one went to the Colts. Honestly, do you know the tension in our receiver room? If I don't get, if I don't touch the ball against Howard on BT, and they did, and then I see that he just got this car dealership deal from right. Moco, Hampton, mm -hmm. and you riding around in a nice Tahoe, and I'm riding around in this bucket, and you've been touching the ball, I got a serious problem with you, the offensive coordinator, and, and the team. So it's causing a whole different frenzy. I mean, in basketball, you guys, if you're good, you'll be there, but you'll be there for the half semester. After March Madness, you're out of there. Football, we're there for three years. I'm there looking at these guys for three years. And if I got paid as a freshman, I fall off, that changes the dynamic of how I'm playing. Now, I can tell you, like, especially from being like college, like, somebody got an extra, extra pair of cleats people looking at each other sideways like hold on bro what you got going on man <laughs> what you got going on like so I can definitely tell you that it for, for college football is like it's very very slippery yeah I think you brought up a really interesting point when you talk about the income tax and how that plays out like might be a lot of people trying to go play at the U you know in Miami just because of that situation and any of the football, I'm not playing at any of these high income, state income schools. I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not going to New Jersey. I'm not playing at Rutgers. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not playing at UCLA, USC. Because if I know that I just signed a, a, a seven figure cash app deal, I'm saving some of that bread. Real, real. So I want to open it up for questions, but before we do, I need y'all to please make some noise, get some gratitude to please. <laughs> Uh, so we got some time. We got some time to, to hear your questions. We'd love to, to make sure that you guys can get those answered before we get out of here. Uh, we got Will over here with the microphone, so feel free to just throw your hand up. We'll make sure we can get the mic over to you. Go ahead and kick us off, bro. Hey, thank you. Great talk. Uh, I agree that um, students should be getting paid because I feel like universities and so on and so forth have been like siphoning their energy, life force, bodies, everything and making millions off of it, and that they should, as some of you said, get something off of that, because some of them are just going there just for that. My question is, 
what are the general parameters in these athletes being able to get paid? Because I heard you say to allude to something that like, oh, they have to be 18 or whatever the case may be. What are the parameters in these athletes getting paid or doing deals, so on and so forth? Um, well, so that's the thing, right? With this, with this NIL stuff being so new, I, I feel like it's, it's gonna be a period of very fluid rules. And I feel like every, every other month you look up and there's like a new thing that they want to talk about regarding it because like we, like we say, it's new, it's young people making, potentially making life-changing money when they, when they have it before. Like for instance, um, like so I went to Kutztown, like not known for anything really. Um, like, yeah, you gotta do that to Kutztown like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so it's the crazy thing, right? So like, I, I did, like I walked on there, I wasn't even on scholarship until I was about to graduate, but like as soon as I graduated, I got drafted and like my face was on every every billboard, every magazine, trying to like pump my likeness to get people to come in. Yeah. And it's, it's just so crazy to me, because it's like, I mean like, damn, like, I want to give me a thousand dollars. Like, tuition's like, like, I don't know, like what, 10, 15 a semester, something like that? Like, so I, I think, you know, to get back to your question, it's very fluid right now. Like I don't, I'm not sure there are really rigid rules, and if there are, I'm sure they're going to be subject to change because we live in a time now where you can challenge a lot of things. You get enough people to back you up, and you make a big enough noise, people can't ignore it because people can't risk bad PR. Yeah. So I think that it'll be it'll be very interesting to watch it. It's like it's, it's like watching a show almost, right? Like it's, you're transitioning from season to season. You don't know what's about that. Yeah. Uh, the good thing about that. Um, one of the things I've always like trying to find new articles that are coming out to learn more about it, but one, it doesn't affect um, their financial aid. So that was a, a big question when first started. It's like, okay, if they're not getting all this money, which they're not all getting all this money, but what about those who are on scholarship? Can they still get financial aid? It doesn't affect that. The biggest thing is making sure, one, it's not a pay for play situation. Like, they still cannot, so the same rules before as in, they still can't get money from boosters. Um, so that's kind of like a big thing. And I know that it's really, it's funny because on the NCAA website, it was part of them, really states 20 times that the NCAA, they're not really the ones that are going to be like the watchdogs. It's more so like a state thing. So they're not going to be checking in. I like read a document at St. Joe's University. Same thing. They could have been here, but not the watchdogs looking over. It's all the state. Like they don't want that liability. Right. Oh, like no smoke. Thanks for that question, brother. How y'all doing? Good talk. Um, I have a question. If I have a startup, I don't have a lot of capital, but I want to engage in the IPO. Um, what's the best strategy to get like return on investment? You said, uh, see, if he has a startup and he wants to engage some of the athletes that are eligible for NIL, uh, what's the best strategy? Did I get that question right? Definitely um, on investing, starting young. So your recruitment, you have to invest in a lot of recruitment. So if it's basketball, you got to start traveling to see these kids. Hey, you circuit early, talking 12, 13 year olds to get to them. By the time they're 17, they've already, you get you gained a rapport with mom, dad, handlers, whoever, so that you're a recognizable face and your business is credible enough where they don't want to do business with you. So I think one as a startup is initially just 
you know, having the budget to be able to, you know, go out and recruit kids at a very, very young age. These kids are, I mean, it's, it's so much different. I started, I played basketball as well. Played in the Sunny Hill League. All throughout. <laughs> <laughs> so, I played basketball all throughout Philly. Um, and the Sunny Hill League and all of that coming from the only team in South Jersey. And I would tell you, like, it's totally different now. These kids are on traveling schedules. They're, I mean, everywhere when they were there, eight teams all over the country. And you have to be prepared to be able to now develop, find, obviously identify some talent. And then two, have the money to be able to make sure you're doing all that you need to do to court the family and, and, and be able to build a, a relationship. And that's whatever that, whatever that, whatever that, that holds. But I think that um, a lot of times, you know, if you're looking to try to connect with and recruit with these young guys, it's really just having to be in front of their face, to be in front of their face early and often. Hey, be strategic. So once you figured out who it is you want to go after. I'm not sure exactly what your startup is or your service or product, but I would just say make sure you're being strategic about who that athlete is. Because it's one of the things that I preach in my clients is like you want something that's going to be authentic to your brand. As a company, you need to be thinking the same way, like making sure that it's an athlete that's authentic to what you're trying to you know, portray and making sure that they're also in that market that you're trying to reach as well. What's going on, guys? I appreciate you for coming out here tonight. Um, I think this question actually is from Jordan. From Jordan, I was curious on, you know, what 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 was the mindset that you had post injury? You know, what was you know what was the uh, you know what was the hunger coming from after the injury? What was the bounce back? You know, did that spark almost the creativity? Um, you know, speaking to the folks who were coming, you know, the young athletes who were getting injured out there. You know, what was the uh, you know what was the bounce back for you? Um, so it's weird. Oh, you know, a lot of people get hurt and they worry like if they'll ever really be the same. But that, I'm, and I'm being 100% honest with you, like I never, that thought never really crossed my mind. Because to me, like I knew how hard I worked and I knew that I was going to be all right regardless. Because at least in my experience growing up, like that's always how I've been. Like I, I figured things out no matter how dark or grimy it might get. When I had to get surgery, I was like, well, you know, like this substance going to set me back. But okay, how can I improve other parts of my game if I can't go out there and practice? So I started spending more time with my coaches in the background, like learning the ins and outs of the offense, um, building rapport, like just throughout the building and getting more familiar with like, the team and the culture. And I think that's like, that's a life skill, honestly. Like if, if things don't go your way, like your way is not the only way. There's a million different ways to get it done. And so for me, it's like, okay, well, yeah, I can't work on my technique right now. I can't, I can't start for it right now, but how else can I develop myself? I'm new to this league. Let me get my head in that playbook more. Let me know what I'm talking about when I'm in, in meetings and still be able to make big impressions on people. And I think that's, that's ultimately it. You just gotta find another way to continue improving. Like it's, you're, you're gonna get set back no matter what you do in life. And if you're playing like a contact sport like football, then yeah, like it's not if you get hurt, it's when you get hurt. But you being hurt doesn't mean can't continue to grow as an athlete or a person. I appreciate that question. And also, Dion, yeah, you had a, a similar experience of getting hurt um, you know, early in the professional career. Did you experience it the same way, or did you have a different take on how you kind of bounce back with your thought process? Yeah, I think for me, 
because, like I said, I started playing so late, I was aware of who I was outside of the game. Um, I think another thing that athletics teach you, especially at a high level, is, like you said, when people get hurt. Because obviously it's more frequent in contact sports, but once you get to the college level, at some point somebody's being out. You have this uh, next person up mentality. And then it turns into you dealing with yourself that way, where it's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta keep going. I gotta, you know, restart fast. So for me, when I got hurt, I didn't think of like what I lost, I thought about what I gained. And at the end of the day, to be a professional athlete, that is your life. Like, people don't understand to play at that level. People are like, oh my God, they're getting so much money, but it's like, it takes so much of it. Um, so once I got hurt, I realized like, hold on, I have time now. I have time to come to places like this. I have time to have conversations with people like you. I have time to tap into this other side of myself. And that's the beauty of our time that we live in. Nobody is any one way. We're all multifaceted individuals because we see so much. You scroll through on Instagram, you're seeing 30, 40 things of just different variety in a couple of minutes. You know what I mean? Like that does something to your brain over time. So for us, it's, we're all multifaceted individuals. And when I got hurt, it's like, all right, I can't play anymore, but I'm excited about who I am outside of this. Appreciate that. Go for one. Hey, y'all. Um, hey. Um, first off, great conversation. Great conversation. Um, I guess, I don't know if anyone has any more questions, but my question would be, and or is, what piece of advice has stuck with you this far that has continued to push you throughout your career, whether that's athletic, whether that's personal, you know, just what piece of advice has stuck with you through all this time? Want to take that one first? I would say piece of advice um, for me it would be someone once told me um, just changing my mindset specifically on the word failure, um, and it's something that it's to look at it as an illusion, whereas failure doesn't really exist, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, and not, I want to say the entrepreneur, just in general. You have to be someone who's able to take risk and not be afraid of it not the outcome not being what you thought it was going to be. And look at it as, okay, well, that didn't work out. Let me figure out what's a different path I can take, but not looking at it as failure. So when you look at it as, okay, failure doesn't exist. It's just, all right, and you figure out a new path it makes it a lot easier. So for me, that personally um, has helped out. It took me a while to understand that concept. Um, and that's everything down from, for example, like I mentioned before, I have a nonprofit. So my first year having a nonprofit, we're 11 years in, um, I had 34 kids show up. And at the time for me, I was a senior at Temple and I'm like, hmm, this is a failure. I had. NBA speakers, I had corporate sponsors like Dick Sporting Goods, Mitchell Ness, all sponsoring. I had 34 kids, so I'm like, what? I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, but looking back on any figure, the second year, we went from 34 kids to 250 kids, and now we have about 400 kids that come in session. Um, thank you. Um, and it's one of those things where no, it wasn't a failure because think about it as how many people actually have ideas? We all have ideas, but how many people actually execute them? So the fact that you're able to execute an idea, that's a success. The fact that somebody, even though it's five people showed up, that's still a success. So it's almost, again, no, I didn't get the turnout that I wanted, but it's like, hmm, maybe I need to have it at a different location or put, it, or maybe put more time into marketing. So um, to recap, just failure does not exist. Mm -hmm.
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to thank you for all listening and tuning in and look forward for more episodes from Real Rap Radio that's hosted on Spotify. And I also want to <clears throat> give you a reminder to don't forget to subscribe and listen and follow. Hit that follow button. And keep continuing to support Real Rap Radio that's brought to you on Spotify. Until next time, Curtains. <laughs>